0: Welcome to Divorce Etc hosted by us, the ex experts. We're here to give you all kinds of information and tips on everything divorce. Plus, we're asking a lot of the questions that you may not even think of or know to ask,
1: but we know because we've lived it, so we get it. We're Jessica and TH. Welcome everybody. Today's podcast is with Carly Blau. She is a dynamo. First of all, she's a dynamo. She has awesome energy and we're going to talk about sex with her. I had a talk with her before this podcast, so I'm really excited for you guys to hear and um, experience her energy and knowledge. So welcome to our show.
2: Thank you so much for having me. I'm Carly Blau. I'm a sex therapist. I'm a regular psychotherapist. Like, you're, you know, you're basic bitch psychotherapist. I say that, and I say that in jest. <laughs> but you know what? People say to me all the time, like, are you, do you do sex? Do you do relationships? What do you do? I say, I'm your classically trained therapist. I can do anything under the sun. Um, and I can do it well, oh, well. well. And, um, and on top of that, I have, I'm finishing my PhD in clinical sex therapy. I have a master's in sex education. And I've been in this field now for about 10 years and really studying sex. So when it comes to sex and relationships, that's really my
0: forte. Which is what we're so excited about because we've been talking for a while about just the idea. I mean, listen, it's relevant for everybody since, I mean, most adults hopefully are having sex. But the idea of like having been in a long-term marriage, even a short-term marriage, where then you come out and you have to kind of be out again, starting to meet new people and going through those phases of like, getting to know people, maybe it's a totally different age range now than it was when you first entered into your marriage and the whole idea of like reclaiming your sexual identity. So we really wanted to talk about almost like sex 101 for recently divorced people because that. the truth is what sex for, especially at our age, for people who've been married 20 years, 25 years, like sex today is not what they thought it was when they got married at 25 and now they're 50 and they're like have hopefully only had sex with one person all that time, there's a lot to learn. A hundred
1: percent. And Go ahead. TH, I can't hear you at all. I'm glad you're saying they and not us when you're referring to like 50 year olds. I'm just putting that out there. Um, but yes, every generation definitely has their own perception of what sex should be for them and in their relationship. But I think that um, Jessica and I can definitely agree that post separation, even it's, it's fantastic. So (laughs) let's talk about it.
2: There's a newness, right? Of any new relationship. Like I say this all the time. I think, I think this is one of those pieces where one of the things that I love to say that I kind of specialize in and really helping people with because I understand it is this concept of redefining sex so you know like Jessica you made a really great point of like you know you can go from being married for 10, 5, 10, 15, 20 years you get divorced you're now with a new partner and it's like holy shit this is the most amazing thing ever where I feel so redefined But I want to also make note that like in any relationship, and it should be discussed amongst divorcees and things like that, that in any relationship you get into, you're going to get into the state of monotony again, where things are going to go from being really hot and fiery and passionate to leveling out and plateauing. I mean, it's the cycle of how life happens, right? We get into these places where there's a climax and then you plateau and then there's a climax and you decline and there's a plateau and we get into this whole cycle we need to be mindful that this happens in all relationships. And so the key is, how do you keep communication alive? How do you keep fire alive and keep it burning so that you don't end up in a second situation where you feel unfulfilled by something sexually again? And I think that's a really great
0: thing to talk about too. I think you're so right. And it's interesting. Um, I think everybody who has been married, divorced, Um, and started dating again has obviously different experiences. For me personally, after my first marriage divorce, I feel like I learned, I really learned what sex was after that, because I think we were just really young. We got together in college. Like it was what it was, but afterwards as an adult, I think I really realized what it, what it could be. And that changed everything, I think, in terms of all future relationships. Mm -hmm. But I'm starting to understand that Being with a partner who can't talk about the sex, like give like a postmortem of that session and like, what did you like? What didn't you like? In general, what do you like? And if someone can't have that conversation, I think that that's a red flag. So I think that it could be a red flag. I think there's always an
2: opportunity for someone to give a space of safety to say, hey, listen, like we're not talking about the kind of sex we're having, right? And I, this is what I like. And this is what i don't like and we've never had that conversation i've been with my husband on and off now for 20 years we started literally we started dating in camp when we were kids we dated <laughs> again as, high, as students in high school we dated again after college and we've been together ever since i think me being a sex therapist helps the fact that i'm still married because you know i understand how he's become a different person i've become a different person and we've had to redefine our marriage many times with many different things that have happened in our lives to redefine the sex, redefine the connection, redefine who we are. And to this whole piece of, you know, having this conversation of being red flag, like we've been together now, married five, together eight. And only a year ago, did we sit down at a date night and we had a conversation of like, what do you want in the bedroom now? Because what we wanted in the bedroom at 17, 18, 24 and 25 is not what we want in the bedroom now. And also to this piece of it being a red flag, Let's be mindful that it takes a lot of time and safety in ourselves first to be able to feel comfortable enough to A know what we like, to know what we what we need to orgasm. Can we orgasm? Can we orgasm from vaginal pleasure internally, externally, through clitoral stimulation? Um, you know, anal stimulation, oral sex, fingering like, what are the things that we need? It takes time to learn that about ourselves as people,
1: or, so, you know, so practice. let's back up. Let's yeah. back up. Okay. I know We're, I throw a lot of stuff out. You just ended, a, and I want to get into all of that, but you've just ended a relationship. Yeah. Right? So I know that if I'm mentally not comfortable with myself, I'm not really going to get the kind of pleasure that I might want. And it might just be set or it might just be sex. Right. It's not like intimacy and, and warranting even that conversation. I feel like um, once I separated, I was just looking for someone to tell me I was pretty, Mm -hmm. be attracted to me and like want to have at that time. It seemed like hot sex. It was like TV sex. You're, you know, yeah, ripping off your clothes and all this stuff had to have each other, but there was nothing there, it didn't warrant a conversation. So it's almost like basic human needs. So let's talk about when you first like have this experience when you haven't had it probably for many years, even while you were still technically married. Yep. Um, until you were ready for this again. So you have the skills to evaluate emotional needs as well. Like how do you even do a self-evaluation to figure out, am I ready for this? Or do you just kind of put yourself out there and be like, that sucked. I'm not ready. Like, what do you do? That's a great question. So there was a situation years ago, I knew a guy
2: um, who was very unhappily married, very unhappily married. And he ended up having an emotional affair with someone that turned into just, you know, making out and whatnot. And he came to me afterwards and was like, I, I, I feel so lost. And he was probably, I think, in his 40s. He was like, I feel so lost, like, I hadn't made out. He was like, I hadn't made out with my wife in years. We hadn't made out, you know? So so here you are, you have a 41-year-old man who was married. They had sex, okay? But sex didn't include making out or being intimate. It was literally, excuse my French, but just fucking in the sense of, like, penis and vagina and that was it. Right. Um, And, you know, there's also same sex couples and and whatnot. So there's all these pieces of how people define sex. I want to open that and make that, you know, something that we talk about too, um, that people sometimes switch what kind of sex they want to be having and with whom they want to be having sex. So go back to this guy, right? So he's 41, hadn't made out. And he came to me and he's like, I'm 41 and I feel so weird because I don't know how to make out with a woman. Like, I, I forgot how to do this. And so that's something we talked about in sex therapy of like, All right, so so you feel uncomfortable and you feel insecure. Tap into your young self again. You know what I mean? What do you do? Like the only way to get, I tell people all the time, the only way out is through. And you've got to be uncomfortable sometimes. And coming out of a divorce of years where you hadn't had sex, or the sex you were having was unenjoyable, or you felt like a shell of a person, like you were in the experience but you weren't in the experience in your heart and your mind and your soul. Sometimes it takes feeling new again. Like you've got to rebuild a confidence and rebuild yourself as someone who's new in the field. Don't expect that just because you were married and having sex for X amount of years that you're going to now get divorced and now be, you know, sex expert of the world. Give yourself permission that you might just be beginning again, be beginning again and have to learn all over again. And you learn a new partner.
0: Well, that's what I was going to say. I mean, what's also so interesting, I think, is that People might think that they're great because they were easily able to satisfy whoever their partner was for an extended Correct. period of time. But it's so obvious, I think, as someone who's divorced, when you have experiences with the different people as you're dating, like how different everybody is based on what they think is, is going to make you happy and, and then learning how to be able to express to somebody, well, that's, that's not how I like it. That's a really like tricky conversation to have, I think. But I think that you're right, that you have to be comfortable with yourself and feel safe to be able to have that conversation with a new partner. But I do kind of feel like even fairly early on, if you're getting to the point where you're being sexually active with them, there has to be some element where you can feel that you can say that works for me or that doesn't work for me and And be able and to expect the same from them, because if they I do I still I don't know, I still maintain I think that that is somewhat of a red flag. Like if someone isn't able to say that to you, then I feel like I don't know on what foundation are you able to build continue to build anything?
1: Well, but if you're willing to start the conversation, then it makes it probably easier, I would imagine, than just expecting him to to come out with it. But also, you know, like people don't want to mess stuff up. Like, what if I say something he's not going to like or she's not going to like? And then it's going to mess it up. Like, okay, I like everything. But if
0: you're not satisfied in bed, nothing you
1: say is going to mess it up worse than no. like being unsatisfied every time. But there could be other signs other than ha- having or not having that conversation. If their response is, whatever you like is good for me, that in my mind is like a red flag because you know you're not going to he's not going to be satisfied if he's only, you know what I mean? It's, it's a partnership yeah, you I, for each other
2: for sure. And I, I think that this is a really great point because the piece we're talking about here is how there's gotta be an open and honest conversation period of what is it that you like in the bedroom? And, and in each couple, I think there's somebody who might be a little bit more comfortable bringing sex up. And I can see, Jessica, to your point, like you bring up what you like in the bedroom and the other person's not willing to have that conversation with you. Yeah, sure, that might be a red flag. The piece where we bring this to a deeper level, right, is do we address the red flag and how do we do that, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, hey, I sex is important to me and I really like you and I like where this relationship's going, but I'm not sure if we're on the same page sexually, And I love to tell you what I like in bed. Like the number one thing I tell people all the time is if we start talking in use, right? Like, what do you like in bed? What do you want to do? What do you like about what I do? That's going to put somebody on the defense no matter how nice your inflection is. If you say, I really want to talk about what I like in bed and what I need to be able to orgasm. And I'd like to show you how you can touch me because I know what it feels like. And I know how to make myself come. So I want to teach you Right. Then all of a sudden it doesn't make somebody feel like they don't know what they're doing or make somebody really good point. Right. It's really a matter of, Hey, me and my body need X, Y, and Z to be able to feel pleasure. Can I give you the privilege of teaching you so that
1: we can go there in this relationship? So what about in the dating world? Let's say you're not in a relationship. You're out on a few dates with a guy and you're attracted to him and you think you might have sex with him. So like, what are the things or with her? So what are like the top three things that you should think about when, because, you know, it takes a while before you're really in a relationship with someone coming out of a breakup or a divorce or a separation. Yep, so yep. like, if you're going in and we're preparing people for this, like first sexual encounter or like your first kiss. Yeah. What are the three things that they should be prepared for in their mind for that? So I want to back up one
2: second. So like, let's go back to the actual separation and divorce. And now you're on your own, regardless of, you know, whether you're a man, woman, or, or however you identify. In that space, there's a, there's an ability for you to take a look at what you didn't get in your previous marriage sexually and what you yearn for. What is like your burning desire for? Did you like, you know, for me, making out is super important and kissing and feeling affectionate with one another is super important, right? So like, you know, if that were to be a situation, hypothetically, I would know moving forward, like my husband and I talk about that, right? But if I was playing the role of like, if I was divorced and I was now single, and I'm now saying to myself, like, this is really important to me, that's something where if I'm dating and I really like a man, but he's not very affectionate with me, like fuck up once, shame on you, fuck up twice, shame on me. Yep. And you know, at that point, it's like, you're a grown adult. At this point, you need to understand what it is you need. And so if you're gonna start putting on blinders, as I call it, cho- uh, my mentor called it chosen blindness. If you're gonna choose to go blind to what you know you like and need sexually because it's satisfying something else, that's on you. Don't expe- Don't make the same mistake you made the first time of expecting that just because you really like each other or just because the sex might be really good because maybe you had sex and it was a fiery and you really liked it. Don't let that now all of a sudden make you blind to what is missing,
1: right? Like second That's time huge. around. Second that time around. That is huge because what? people don't want to take responsibility and it's hard to grow. Right. and And even like be brave enough to have a voice, even in your own head. Yep. So uh, just remember that everybody, like you'd have no one to blame, but is part of the growth process you might make some mistakes and still allow this to happen, but recognize that that's a mistake. Yeah, like and, and you is, have the
2: power to change that, right? Like be, there's a reason people say, be the change you wish to see in your world, right? It's not, I mean, sure it's cliche and la la fufu foo, foo in some regard, but let's get real here. You you are the only one in control of your life. And you're the only one who can t- control what you do today and what you do the rest of the day and what you do with your life. If you're continuing to date people and choosing to be blind to what it is you really need, maybe you don't know what you really need.
0: Right. I also think, though, that in the very beginning, what you are getting and what that experience is like isn't necessarily representative of like what it's going to end up actually looking like because in the beginning, right? There's so much passion and excitement, and it is all so new. You could be making out for hours on end in the beginning just because of the fact that you maybe haven't had sex yet. But the, and so you think like, oh my god, this is someone who loves making out as much as I do. But then once you have sex, your makeout sessions might be getting shorter and shorter. That initial first month or whatever, may not really be accurate, an accurate look at what things are going to be. like once you actually are sexually active with them, do you know what I mean?
1: But that's why communication is so important. Like you have to be comfortable, definitely talking about it and be like, I miss our makeout sesh. Like we got to bring it back, you know? And it's hard to trust yourself and trust someone else that you're not going to lose them or like screw it up, which is, whatever, then they weren't right for you. If you're going to, you're not screwing it up. They're just not right for you, but you're like discovering, you know, what you need. But if you don't talk about it, that's, that's hard. I I was going to say, you know,
2: I think it's really interesting to throw a fact out there for us right now, right? So the average couple waits about five years from the time a problem begins to when they seek out therapy to try and fix the problem. So if you were to go to your point, Jessica, like you're making out, right? And you guys are having these hot makeup sessions. And then it starts to get less and less as you are having more and more sex and being more intimate with each other. And you're now dating, you know, it's not within the first two months of dating. You've now been dating maybe six months and you've slept together a couple of times and you know, the relationship's taking off. But now the things that were happening at the beginning of the relationship aren't continuing, right? They've stopped. This is where you have to have that difficult conversation of, hey, I really liked how much we were making out at the beginning of this, and I really liked how you used to, you know, play with my hair when we watched TV, and I really liked how, you know, we would leave you would like spank my ass or whatever, joking around, and you don't do that stuff anymore. You know, is that something that you like doing, or did you think maybe I liked it, so you were doing it? That's something I'm really into. Can you continue that? And hold yourself accountable, again, within you, not blaming somebody else to speak up for what you need. Because the difference between this time around and last time around, last time around, most people in their first time doing anything in life, we all make mistakes. Nobody got on a bike and knew how to ride it. You fell off a bunch of times and you kept getting back on until you learned how to really ride a bike. And that's like being in a relationship. It's like having sex. You've got to do it enough times and you've got to give yourself permission to mess up, but you've also got to take yourself on of how you're going to do it differently. So now, instead of letting you know a year go by and then start complaining, when you notice something, find the courage to speak up. And if you find yourself yet again in another relationship, going silent and choosing to go blind, find someone like me to help you gain the confidence, seriously, to speak up and deal with, like you said, TH, there's, there might be rejection. You may be told, I can't give you what you need, or that was what it was like, but I'm not like that anymore. And for someone who's been divorced, there's the trauma of you've been divorced and there's trauma in that and challenge. So you might not wanna go through that again, but if you don't really advocate for yourself and what you want in a relationship, you may never get it.
0: So the communication, no question, hands down is key and probably like right one of the most important things. I think though that moving forward in terms of like the whole sex ed for someone who's newly divorced, I mean, what are the important things for people to be thinking about, to know in order to feel comfortable? I'm not talking, listen, everyone's got their body image issues. Everybody has the parts that they don't like. So it's not like digging into that hole right now, but just overall wanting to have great, enjoyable sex that's fulfilling and satisfying, what do you think are maybe some unrealistic expectations that people have and or like myths that they should move past? And what are realistic expectations that people should have in order to help them have fulfilling sex lives?
2: That's a great question and a loaded question. First and foremost, the one thing that I want to make sure I say as a sexual health educator and as a sex therapist, like, you know, just you're now new on the dating scene, go and get tested. Yes. Know what your your baseline is, know what you're dealing with. Um, There's no shame. I know it's a lot easier said than done around that. But know what you're working with, because, you know, it's, it's funny, but it's like the world of um singleton, like single people like in like late 30s, 40s, 50s, and onward, and even 20-year-olds who are divorced, who I know, um, you know, there's this assumption if you're like single post-divorce, nothing's gonna happen. It doesn't work that way. Like sex is still sex and the body is still a body and sexual health doesn't discriminate. It's it's an umbrella that we all fall under no matter how old we are, no matter what our age is or how young we are, right? Or whatever our age is. So I think it's important that you get tested.
0: I couldn't agree more, I have to say. And I, this is a conversation TH and I have had ad nauseum for the past year because I always say like, everyone is so like talking about COVID testing all the time. And, And I'm like, okay, when was the last time you were tested for any STDs? What are you doing to like have safe sex? I, I, I feel like it's, beca- I know it's always been a difficult conversation to have, and it's always been sort of for some people taboo to have that, but I'm like, I'm flat out like, Hey, by the way, when was the last time you were tested? And how many people are you currently sleeping with? Correct. I think that you have to have those conversations because nobody wants to have them.
2: Correct hundred percent. And the other thing is is like I love the excuse that all the, the guys in college used to use of I can't keep an erection if I have to use a condom. Well, I'm really sorry. Then you need to go to CVS. You have to buy a couple different brands. You gotta put them on your dick until you find one that you can keep an erection with. Because my vagina is not taking risks with your penis just because you don't want to use a condom. Like it's you know, it's just an, or or you're gonna be in a committed monogamous relationship in which I'm on a birth control to help me keep not getting, from not getting pregnant, okay? That's my choice. And you are going to commit to not sleeping with somebody else. And we are not going to have unprotected sex until we've both been tested. And I see your paper that says that there's a negative result and mine is negative. Or if there is something positive, I'm being transparent with you about it. So you know, and you have the right to say, hey, I'm either comfortable with that or I'm not comfortable with that. Or, you know, like herpes. A lot of people have herpes. It's a
0: thing these days. It
2: is. It's been a thing. It's been a thing. But it's no
0: more transparent about it these days. I literally see profiles on dating sites. And I, and honestly, I say kudos to them because it must be hard to put it out there. But I have seen dating profiles where the guys have said right on there that they're herpes positive And I'm, I'm sure there are a lot of people that are swiping away, but I, I know some girls who, who have dated men that have herpes. And I know some women who have it themselves. And I feel like that's wonderful that they are being that open about it because there is a match for everyone.
2: Correct. And there's also, this is something so important to hear. If you meet someone, okay. Who's really wonderful. And then they tell you that they have genital herpes or oral herpes. So, you know, a lot of people don't know this. Oral herpes, like cold sores, can be transmitted genitally. So if you're getting a cold sore or you have a cold sore and you give a blowjob or you give oral sex, you can give that person herpes in their genital region. It'll transfer if the virus is present. It's a little complicated to talk about, well, what if I don't have an active cold sore, but I have the virus? I have clients where it's very important that there are medications like Valtrex, other medicines that you could be taking on a daily basis to really reduce your viral load. So your chances of transmission are very low. If you're not using a condom during oral sex, because I love how we talk about using condoms for blowjobs. I mean, strawberry lube is still strawberry lube and doesn't really taste that great. Maybe that's something I could do eventually. I'm like, numb <laughs>
1: your entire mouth,
2: <laughs> right? Like my whole, like your whole face just tastes like latex. It's just not, <laughs> um, but like, the thing is, is you can, there, you can have sex with someone who is herpes positive and not contract the virus. It's just a matter of having an open and honest conversation, being in touch with your medical provider, making sure you're on the right medication to reduce the viral load, being transparent about it. Don't be afraid to ask someone, hey, before they go down on you, do you get cold sores? Right? And I.
0: Never thought to ask that. I Although I have a friend, I have a friend who yeah, but they back lie. in college, maybe, but wait, I have a friend back in college who I'm not even kidding you um, was fooling around with a guy. He had a strep throat and he went down on her and she got like strep crotch from yeah, that.
2: Yeah. your vagina. Yeah. It's Ooh. just a bacteria, right? So these are the things where I could talk for hours about all these. The, sac- the infections and the bacteria that exist. That'll in- be another podcast. But oh, wait,
0: so everybody podcast. listening, listen, it's not even just about, like, have you been tested by your doctor? Like now there's an additional question to ask. Do you, are you a person that gets cold sores? Sure.
2: That's And don't panic about this, right? Like easier said than done. This is not something to panic about. But to be mindful, I mean, a lot of people, you have no idea how many people I see that come to me and they say, I don't know what to do. I was hooking up with somebody. We used the condom. I don't know how I got herpes. And when they got it tested, it was HSV-1, which is most typically seen orally. So there's HSV-1 and HSV-2. HSV-1 is typically oral herpes. HSV-2 is typically genital herpes. The difference between the two strains is that hsv2 presents more aggressively so there are more colds there are more sores whereas hsv1 there's typically like one sore on your lip or one sore like around your nose or somewhere where it's not um it's not as a aggr- like the virus is not as aggressive it doesn't show there's not as many postules and, and sores so the differences is like somebody who gives hsv1 genitally you may have one or two sores genitally versus HSV2, which may present as a more aggressive outbreak.
0: I have a, a question. Um, right. Is it, and I, I think really this is for people out there, because this is a conversation that I'd had with someone that I know who who did test positive. Um, could Could you contract it And then it like lay dormant for however long and then you get tested and and the truth is you don't know who gave it to you, not because you're sleeping with a million guys but the truth is like you could have gotten it in college or you could have gotten it after college before you got married and you, for whatever reason never had a test before or. I don't know. So, and you're saying yes. So just because that's the last guy you slept with does not mean that's the, or the last woman you slept with does not mean that's the person who you could have contracted it from.
2: Right. And this is why it's so important that between sexual partners keep getting tested. And when you go get tested, you have to ask for a full panel. You want the whole shebang. When you go and get an, an STI test nowadays, they will most likely only test you for gonorrhea and chlamydia and do a culture. You want a whole panel. So you want HIV, you want HIV, HPV, herpes, um, syphilis, gonorrhea, chlamydia, trichoponiasis, all these different STDIs. You don't have to ask for all this, but you tell your doctor that you want a full panel, that you're sexually active, and you'd like to make sure you're starting with a baseline that you're aware of in between partners. And you can say this to a partner, you can say, I just got tested. Okay. I'm negative or this is and I hate using I'm clean because it doesn't make it right, doesn't mean you're dirty, dirty. right if you have an STI okay there are many many people who do it doesn't make you dirty some of them are treatable some are not okay so we want to be mindful that we're really educating ourselves about this and we're not we're, we're combating the shame because herpes does come with a lot of shame unfortunately And it doesn't make you unlovable. It doesn't make you not worthy of dating. It doesn't mean you have to lower your standards because something is positive. Like there are plenty of people with herpes, both genitally and orally, one or the other. And you can take medication and use protection and really reduce your chances of transmission significantly and enjoy a very fruitful sex life. Right. So I want to make sure that we, everyone listening to this understands that like you know if you're divorced and let's say there are people that got married and they didn't have herpes and their partner that they got married to did and they were in love and now they both have it potentially right and now you get divorced and it's like shit what am i going to
0: do well not only that but you could get married like i remember when i was going in to have um i don't remember which kid it was it might have when i was going in. and and right before the birth like literally like going into the delivery room or whatever, my doctor was like, okay, we're doing like an STD or t- uh, like an HIV test or whatever. And I was like, what do you mean? Like, I, you know, I was tested however long ago and like, I've only been with him. And they were like, okay, but this is a standard procedure. And PS, he had not only been with me. So my tests came back fine, but it's like, you could be married and you could have been tested at some point. And now yeah. the truth is maybe your point, your partner was not, faithful to you and you could, write, And you have no idea that you have something because you just, why would you have gotten tested when you were married, when you thought you were in a monogamous relationship?
1: This is really important. I went to my gynecologist for like my annual checkup after I separated and I told him what was going on. And I told him that my husband was not faithful. And he goes, well, we have to do a full panel on you. Correct. You have no idea of what you might have. Right. Just because right. you can't see it doesn't mean you don't have it. Eighty actually symptoms
2: don't
0: show. What did yeah. you say?
1: Eighty oh. percent. Sorry, eighty percent of
2: people don't show symptoms for STIs, like chlamydia and gonorrhea. Typically, don't. I mean, very often don't show symptoms, or the symptoms might be that of a yeast infection, or a urinary tract infection, or some cramping. I mean you ignore it long enough I mean some of them can lead to you know pelvic inflammatory disease if you're still of an age where you might you maybe didn't have children in your first marriage or you had children in your first marriage but you'd like to continue having a family with somebody else in your future you want to make sure that you're looking out for
1: your sexual health so you don't you know damage your opportunity for reproduction right I mean it's your overall health it's it's right. your annual checkup So just do that for yourself, whether you're planning to be out there dating or not, or having sex or not, like just kind of know where you are. So that's number one. And we'll definitely do another podcast. We really dig in deeper about this, but what are some other things that you would tell people to not do? Not do as far as like dating and whatnot dating and starting in with someone's actually like what are some things that you t- should tell people to stay away from what are some red flags hmm. okay
2: so um two things come to mind boundaries okay so like safety boundaries being new in the sex world right meaning like you've been divorced you, you got divorced separated and now you're new and into things like don't engage in stuff for the sake of being liked if it doesn't make you feel safe. So, you know, things might get kinky. People are into all different things, choking, spanking, um, sexting, whatever, I'm just naming a few, right? Like uh, role play, um, swinging, all these different things, right? And as we get older, we kind of open our minds to like, how do we keep things alive? And maybe we get a little bit more creative, but it's also okay for you to not want that. Okay, so don't go just because you're craving feeling loved again, and you're craving a connection. Don't put yourself into a position where you're making yourself available to things that you don't really feel comfortable with. That's right a good point. Um, there are a lot of times where it's like someone's like, "Oh, can I choke you? I'm really into that." You don't have to say yes right away. My father. You don't have
0: to say yes ever. Correct.
2: And my <laughs> point is my, you're right. My, my father-in-law taught me a great line for business and it, it, it presents in sex and relationships too. If you want an answer right now, the answer is no. If you want to give me some time to think about it, I might give you a yes.
0: That is a great answer, right? I think, the- I think that people also have to be comfortable with there might be certain things that are just a hard no. Correct. <laughs> and It might be always no and that's okay.
2: Correct. Like, you don't have to be into anything and everything just because somebody else is. You're entitled to say, no, excuse me, we're entitled to be quote unquote, vanilla. I don't care. If you just wanna have sex and sex to you means, let's just go with your classic heterosexual penis and vagina, making out a little bit of foreplay here and there, if that, and we just get into penetrative intercourse and it's nothing crazy. And it's just very, I don't even want to say simple because what's the no, same? But
0: sometimes traditional missionary can be a really intimate moment anyway. It doesn't, vanilla doesn't even have to be vanilla. Correct. And that's the whole thing is like, be
2: open to, to defining these things. However, you as an individual listening to this want to define it, let that be what you like And then advocate to create that in your next relationship. No one is here, not me, not any of the three of us, no expert is here to tell you what you should like or want in a relationship. That's what you need to figure out for yourself. And what I find to be most empowering about sex therapy is I see a lot of people who are divorced and single who don't know what the hell they like. That's right. They don't know
1: what they want. They know what they don't want but they don't know what they do want. So that's for everything. Like that line again, like Jessica and I talk about it all the time, even in a relationship, what we want for ourselves, our career, our kids, like you don't know what you don't know. Correct. So if you keep an open mind and you're smart about it in terms of protecting yourself and your boundaries, um, you will figure it out slowly but surely. It's not an overnight thing But when you do start figuring out things that you like, they're awesome. Like I never had what I have now in my relationship, but I also didn't know that this existed. I kind of knew what it looked like. Like my parents are happy. They argue a lot, but whatever, you know, I've seen it, but I haven't seen it the way that works for me Mm -hmm. until now. So just like Carly said, like protect yourself, you come first. You're your only advocate and just just whatever. If he or she is gonna dismiss your needs and your boundaries, then bye-bye. Like that's not gonna work. There are tons of people out there who will respect you and love you and care for you in a way that works.
2: You just hit a nail on the head. You know, the boundaries piece. Like the number one thing I tell people all the time is boundaries are important for safety. We need to have boundaries as individuals in the world so that we don't get hurt. By instilling and implementing boundaries, people are not going to like it. That's the whole point of them. They're going to protect you. You create your own boundaries. Be prepared that when you put boundaries in play, most people are not going to like them because. That's the difference between why, I mean, if you're in a monogamous relationship or yearning for a monogamous relationship, you're not going to like everybody you date. Not everyone's going to be okay with your boundaries and your rules of what works for you. Don't be afraid to advocate for them. Be willing to maybe compromise or change things if if you're comfortable with it to do things a bit differently, but you don't have to negate what makes you feel safe to be loved.
0: So important. We are going to stop here but we are going to have a part two that's going to continue on with what some of the red flags are for people to look out for. And also just some things that people can can be able to do and learn for themselves to be comfortable in this whole post-divorce new sex world um, that that we all enter into after being in a divorce situation. So Thank you so much for your time, Carly. This is such a, like, an eye-opening and enlightening conversation. I know I like, already can't wait for the next one. I hope everybody <laughs> listening feels the same way. No, seriously, because it's so refreshing to be able to have such an open conversation about sex. Obviously easier amongst friends than when sure. you're actually faced with it in that, in that situation with a, with a potential partner. But, um, but just thanks for everything. And we'll see you next time.
1: Thank you so much for sure. Yeah,
2: I would love that. And thank you so much for having me. Thank you all for listening. And be mindful that everything we talked about today and that you heard today is not finite. You know, it doesn't mean if you disagreed with something, if something didn't sit well with you, if something resonated with you, tap into that, look at it, you know, explore it. Don't, Don't hesitate to reach out and let us know. And then when part two, we can always address your concerns or your thoughts or your questions. We'd love to hear. And thank you so much for
0: having me. Thanks so much for listening to Divorce Etc. with The X experts We really hope this episode was helpful for you in getting information you need and feeling empowered to get through it. And always remember there are so many of us just like you. Now, please hit the subscribe button so you always get new episodes and please rate and review us. You can also check out our website filled with free resources at xexperts.com. Follow us on social on Instagram and Facebook. And send us an email to let us know your thoughts or any questions or topics you'd like us to talk about. See you next time.